0: All right, so I am going to start with prayer. God, we just thank you so much for your incredible love. God, that you've invited us into your story. God, we just pray tonight, Father, that you would be here. God, we need you because um, without you, one of our songs even said... um, I don't remember the line because I didn't know the song. But it was, without you, um, we, we don't want to do life. We don't want to do it without you, without your miracles, without everything that we read in your word, God. So I just pray as your word and your truth come forth tonight, God, that your Holy Spirit would be here. And that you would do what only you can do. And that you would bring the truth, into our hearts with revelation of who you are, with revelation of who we are, and where we fit in your God's story. We just thank you so much. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So tonight, so last week, Bill did a really great job at um, defining culture, defining a kingdom of culture, and what um, what that means and where it came from. And I think he did a really great job at um, unpacking for us kind of what our, the culture that we're in today, um, not only has our immediate relationships affected that, being our, our family we grew up in, the schools we went to, um, the churches we've gone to, the church we're in now, but then also in a bigger picture, history in all aspects have in some way affected the culture that we're in today. Um, And so I think that it is really cool to look at the fact that we're a part of this big, huge God story. And then I think that um, Bill said something last week. He asked the question, where do we fit in the God story? And so today, as I was praying over how do I preach on this subject, um, I really felt like God was saying, let's boil it down and make it more um, like let's put feet on it. Let's, let's, let's make this kingdom culture something that we can actually participate in in a way that is effective and for us and for our, our world around us. And so one of the things that I feel like we're going to ask instead of, because the where do we fit in the God story definitely is important, but tonight we're going to ask the question, where do I fit in the God story, because if I can't figure me out, there's no way that I'm going to be able to contribute to you (laughs) or this church, and so um, as we're thinking about that, and as I was praying and preparing for this message, the word significance really popped out at me, and this is not something I do every day, so bear with me. Um, but I define significance just a basic, you know, hey, Google, what's the definition <laughs> of significance? And it was sufficiently great or important to be worthy of attention or noteworthy. And so in our achievement today, I am not necessarily going after all of us are superstars and we all are worthy of great or great importance, like um, as in the world would see it, as in Hollywood would see it. But I think it's important to recognize that we are worthy and of great importance according to the word of God. According to what God defined at the beginning of time when he created the earth and he created us. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And so when we're looking at that, um, I, there are so many verses in the Bible that would speak into your significance. They would speak into your... And so this is not... A deep theological study of significance. This is one part of a lot that I'm, and I, I did mean to warn you that I feel like I am speaking on uh, my subject matter from start to finish has like at least a dozen messages inside, like, like, and that I'm not going to go dive into that. And so it's like, well, significance. I mean, we could have a series on on <laughs> on our value in the kingdom and whatever, and where how that how that affects the kingdom around us, us recognizing it. But today, I just found, I, um, I'm highlighting four scriptures for you. And so, um, so we see in Isaiah 49, 1, before I was born, the Lord called me, from my birth, he has made mention of my name. So that, that's just so powerful, when you, when you put, you know, when you really think of that in reality. Um, Isaiah 43, 1, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And so I just feel like, I don't know if you guys have come to this place in your, or, or maybe came there and then left there and then came back into that revelation, but the Word of God is words, and it's truth, and it's history, and it's so many things. But when the Word of God becomes revelation in your hearts, it's a whole different ballgame. And so I am praying that, that um, today truth that's in here pops out for you guys and, and becomes something that changes you on the inside. Um, so do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And Matthew 10.30 says, even the hairs of your head are numbered. And so that is just four verses of so many verses um, and there's so much in the bible that talks about um, you know destiny and god's i mean you just see desire for intimacy i think of the other verse um, that says um, if god numbered the thoughts that he has toward us it would outnumber the sands on the sea and i just feel like you know you know someone loves you on the earth when they're thinking about you when you're not around. You know? Like, there's not many people that are like, like, Russ thinks about me when I'm not around. My mom would think about me when I'm not around. You know? And it's like, there's just a very, everyone else is busy with life and they're thinking about their their people, their family. And so, but God thinks about us more than the sands on the sea. And I just feel like we could miss that. We could, we could quickly go by that and not realize how intimate our God desires to be, and the great length he went to to achieve intimacy with us. It's it's phenomenal, actually. And so, um, one thing about significance that's really important is that for me to recognize the part I play in the God story and this is actually something that that a lot of people do when it comes to inner healing, you know, when you're walking someone through inner healing from hurts and hang-ups and stuff, Um, we want them to get to the point where they recognize God's truth about them, and then they choose, they they have to make a choice, hopefully because of just an aha moment and revelation of what God says. We want them to, to be able to come out from under the things that the enemy has told them lies about themselves their whole lives about their insignificance and we want them to come into letting jesus be lord over their identity and so you have to recognize that wow for me to think all of these things about myself means that i am not letting jesus and what he says be lord of my identity and so Um, I just think that is really cool that we've studied in a lot of ministries in the area of inner healing. All of them kind of have a similar, they might word it differently, but they're all doing the same thing. They're saying, guess what? The lies you've believed about yourself are not truth. And so even if you've acted out things that, that make you think the wrong thing about yourself, that's still not truth. That's not the version God created. That's not the version he wants to develop in you. And so, um, I have a couple of word pictures for this, just because I think word pictures can really speak a lot. And one of those is, imagine if, this is a really short one, but just the simple parenting identity. Can you imagine if I had a baby and I did not recognize my role as a mother? And I just complained about a baby that's crying, and would someone, please, stop the baby from crying. Um, can you imagine what the world would be like. And I think that when we look in the kingdom of God, I think we can see that a lot. But it's not because we're a bunch of people that are ignoring the call on our lives. I think we're a bunch of people that aren't recognizing the value that God placed in us and the value that He wants to develop in us so that we can, so that we actually recognize, I'm the baby's mom. I have everything, everything that God needs for me to have to meet that need is in me. And I think in, you know, as we come into his presence and we actually give him moments in our lives, he is able to reveal that. And my next word picture, I totally love this one. This actually was in, while I was praying for this message too. I just got this picture of a company. And let's just say you are two weeks in, in a company. And you have spent your first two weeks Wandering around. You've read and reread the manual for the company about a dozen times. You just keep going back to the manual, rereading it. You have engaged in some work that you see other people doing. Um, you have, um, gosh, I put points down on the paper. Um, you're wandering around the job site and you're, yeah, you're doing other people's works. So but you've never gone in to see the supervisor and so the supervisor is the one that knows all about your job the supervisor is the one that actually interviewed you and you haven't actually gone to see the supervisor and so you even have heard really great things about the supervisor and the manual talks about the supervisor you celebrate the supervisor's birthday you talk good about him and hear him talked about all the time But imagine that day that you go in and you sit down in the supervisor's office and you're sitting directly across from him and he says, I am so glad you came in here. I have been wanting to tell you what I saw in you in that interview that made me hire you for this position in this branch of our company. Because you see, from the minute I I met you, I, I saw really great things in you and the things that I saw in you, we actually have a department in our company that is lacking. I mean, I don't want to say it's failing, but it is lacking. And what it is lacking is the exact skills that I saw in you. And so can you guys see this picture that if I, as the new person in this company, am rereading the manual, and I'm going and trying to do things that other people are doing who have maybe gone in and met with the supervisor and got fit in the right position for the right time, then I am going to come up so empty and I'm not going to know what I was hired for. The thing that fits, it's so ungratifying when I'm trying to do something based on what I'm seeing on this earth and not actually connecting with the supervisor. Um... And so I just really liked that word picture. I felt like it. I've been working, you know, in the professional world for a while now. And I think it's a really good picture of um, the kingdom of God, you know, and what I'm guilty of and probably each of us in some area or another. It's not like you're all guilty for all of these things. That's not what it is at all. It is that all of us go through areas in our lives where we feel insignificant. And I think we could go through seasons. Oh my gosh, I have significance. Like, oh, I'm a mom. Okay, I'm not a mom anymore. You know, that's one of mine. And so I have to go back and see the supervisor and say, I finished that job. What else do you have for me? You know, and so we all have those examples in our lives. We all go through moments where we feel insignificant while there's an entire kingdom and culture and church body who has needs like a crying baby that you were created to fulfill. Um so I think I actually missed a slide. I mean, yeah. I should have given someone like I should have given you my notes so you could be like (laughs) You did. He totally offered that. And so God anointed you to effect change. Um and so we'll move right along. Now this power comes from God and so we get plugged into the power source and he works his power in us and so i want to i want to unpack and get us to the point where we are seeing this power this kingdom power in a way that is so simple it's so something that God created us to walk in. It, and it's something that He gave you everything you need to walk in it. And so, um, so we get plugged into the power source and He works His power in us. And again, this is the same as last time. These are four scriptures because it's what I can fit really nicely in symmetry on this board. But it is not all that the Bible says about power. There's so much. There's so much. But I wanted to point these, these are just a handful of scriptures that have um, the power of God and its connection to us and just kind of his promises and gives you kind of a picture of what he designed this earth and us and, and all of this, how, it, how it's supposed to work. So Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is it. Work within us, and so that that one is just that's one of my favorite scriptures actually. Because every time I meet some uh, a an area in my life that is seemingly impossible, like how am I going to do that? And then I have to switch that whole thinking to how are you going to do that? <laughs> because because it says right here that. Um, That he is able to do immeasurably more than you've asked or imagined, according to his power, that he's working in me. And so, like, that is crazy. Like, that's scandalous. He's he's entrusting his power and he's putting it in us and he's working it in us so that um, he can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine through us. That, that is, and I, I really think that we walk around not seeing victory because we are, um, we just get inoculated with our busyness and with our impossibilities. And then we realize, oh my gosh, God, you know, when you, when you give him a moment to, to meditate and to, to let Scripture pop out at you, then you realize that God is doing immeasurably more than you've ever asked. So think of all your asks more than you've imagined, according to the power that he's working in you. And so I feel like one of the questions we have to ask in response to that verse is, am I positioning myself for you to work this power in me? Am I getting plugged in to the power source so that he has a chance to work the power in me? Ephesians 1.19, I also pray that you will understand The incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. And then it goes on to say that this is the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So he's praying that we will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. For who? It's for us. He's praying that we understand the greatness of God's power for us who believe the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. So when I'm looking at my list of asks, the things that I need, the things that are really good God things, you know, I remember praying for my teenager to walk with the Lord. Probably not this one, but one of my teenagers <laughs> <laughs> to the walk with the Lord. Um, like it was an impossibility. There was nothing I could do to make it happen in my flesh. But I got with God and he started giving me revelation. Revelation of their character. Revelation of their identity. Revelation of their significance. Revelation of, of what he saw when he looked at them. And the same finances. If I don't have a revelation in a place where I'm believing a lie in any area of our lives, then I'm going to try to act like the other person who walks in victory in this area. But if it's not coming from a place of revelation, I am going to strive and probably fail on a regular basis in that area. And so it's important that I go into the supervisor and I receive direction for him and let him develop those skills so that I can walk in that area in victory and accomplish what he's deemed me and, and created me to accomplish. Uh, where are we? 1 Corinthians four, or 2, 4 and 5. My speech and my preaching were not in persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith wouldn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I mean, we could preach on that like all night. Um, and Philippians 2:13, For it is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's our 2019 verse, by the way. But it is God who works in you. Sometimes I get so like, Oh, I don't know, and how are we going to... And I don't know what... Oh, oh yeah. How am I going to be the mom that God created me to be? Oh yeah. It is God who works in me to will and to work for His good pleasure. How am I going to figure out how to take my company to the next level? Oh wait. It is God who works in me to will and to work for His good pleasure and so it's the revelation is what we position ourselves in his presence for him to do in us he does all the hard stuff he is absolutely amazing at fulfilling his word in us Um, so one of the things that my notes lead me to point out in this part of tonight, is that this is not for extra special people. Walking out the Word of God and allowing it to work through us is something that is so simple, children do it all the time, probably more than us. And as a matter of fact, a story in our church just from two weeks ago, um, so Tara prayed for... Our friend back here and she had had leg pains for six weeks Sheila um, six weeks she was not being able to sleep very well right and she was having really bad leg pain and one Sunday night I didn't know what was going on but little Soterra part of our children's church prayed for Sheila and Sheila slept through the night not just that night but she no longer has leg pain she no, she sleeps through the night without leg pain and all because someone just decided, "Oh, can I pray for you?" Isn't that amazing? I just think it's important for us to know that. Th- I mean, gosh, if you're old enough, you grew up on healing evangelists, and that's just not. That's I don't have a Bible. I almost, I, I thought in my head, "Bring your Bible," because I want to like use it so much to to just point at because I use my phone for one. I'm just kidding. I use my Bible too, but um, but it's so simple. It's not, it's not that old picture in your mind. It's us taking advantage of the veil being torn in two. It's us letting God do a work in us because we've allowed his word to go in and cultivate the ground and plant the seeds. And it's so powerful. Here's another one, and there's just, I wanted to put this up there because um, I'm going to get a little Greek on you, but not too, not too much. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in work and deed, resulting in the Gentile's salvation, in mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And so, the word fulfilled and gospel in here are just really interesting when I was looking at this verse. Because the fulfillment of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it wasn't just him preaching the word in every single place. Yes, yes, that but it was also him allowing the work to affect him. Because when he fulfilled it, he not only influenced, but he possessed it fully. And it is a a lot lot of the Greek words when I've studied the Greek, and yeah, guys, just don't sacrifice me to the idol of Greek study. Um, So... A lot of the words are presenting something in the Greek that we don't have the words for in English. Righteousness is a really cool study, too, which we won't get into. But it, a lot of times it's like, it's encompassing something that we actually have to have a phrase for, or maybe we can't quite, like love has four Greek words just for the word love, and and we just put love in there. And so um, it's really cool when someone brings out the real meaning, but to fulfill the gospel the good news, the same news that the, air, the angels, you know, sang about when they came to the shepherds in the field great, glad tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. And so it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news, but it's something that when we are fulfilling the gospel of Jesus Christ all around, it's first a work that He's doing in me, and then it's a work that He's doing through me. And I think that it's important that we realize that I can't can't bring my children into a truth and a freedom where I may be in bondage in my head about or believing a lie about. And so I think it's really important that we realize it's worth it to carve out time for God. I mean, it doesn't have to be legalistic. It's driving down the street or, you know getting used to it in my car i get used to praying I, I drive all the time a lot of my time um with god is in, uh, behind my steering wheel and so i'm not talking about being legalistic and giving five hours of every day to god or anything like that but i'm saying inviting him into every moment inviting him in and and meditating on him and his truth and allowing the word to have time in your heart um So um, sorry, I lost where I was in my mates. So let's talk about how we walk out this power. and um, I just pray that you guys as we um, can I mean I'm not done, don't, don't, don't get too excited yet, but um, as we continue to finish this i am going to give you a time to pray and you just to kind of think about this and 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 actually practice giving god like focusing on the lord and giving him time and so as i finish this and just talk about the different ways that we walk out living a lifestyle and in a kingdom of power um just kind of be in a spirit of prayer and ask God, just even as you sit there and listen, if this girl preaching um, the words that she speaks, you know, God is able to do miracles in our hearts and that's what I'm praying. That's what I'm, I'm believing God to do today. Um, so there is a process of completion that God works in each of us. Um, it requires patience. And it it requires being purposeful to give him room and to um, give him opportunity through his word and through prayer and through worship. Um, did you guys know? And again, this is another thing that could be a whole other thing to preach on. But worship, studying it in the Bible, God's really been doing like teaching me a lot about worship lately. And um, worship in the Bible was warfare. It was celebration. Like God used it in so many ways. Um, there's so many things I want to say, but I don't have time to like unpack it or teach it. But um, but worship is powerful. It's not just words. Right, Judy? It's not just words. It is It is so powerful. He actually, in, God comes and empowers worship. He comes and he becomes powerful. He comes and dwells in the. As we worship, we are inviting the presence of the Lord. There is, there are things that God achieves in worship. As, because it's, I, I really think it's just as simple as it's a moment we're making room for Him. It's a moment where we're focusing on Him. Kind of what uh, Chris said earlier. It's a moment where we are allowing God to be the absolute focus of our praise our adoration our thankfulness and there's many times in the bible where god fights the battle for us while we stand still um and so as this process of completion is taking place what how it happens in us and how we put feet on that is that last week i could not wrap my head around forgiving this particular person but then I took it to God and I carved out time and I let him saturate my heart and mind with his love, with his truth. And now all of a sudden, this week, I have a different mindset. And, and God is actually empowering me to forgive. And it's a miracle thing that I was incapable of before the revelation. Um, I mean, it happens in every area of our lives. Uh, once we've received the revelation of the love of the Father, then it overflows. Then it, it makes life so easy. And so, it, instead of striving to have significance, or instead of striving to forgive the person, I mean, I'm not saying that we don't try as, I mean, like, we have a part we play, But I think one of our biggest parts is making room for God in our day and in our lives. So, I really, let me see. Yeah, so I really wanted you guys to just, because some people are word people and some people are picture people. I'm a picture person. And so I really wanted you guys to have a picture of Getting plugged into the power source and and what it looks like every day, and it takes it takes um, faith in something that sometimes you feel like like sometimes i'm I used to pray, God, would you please speak to me would you would you just speak to me and help me to hear you and help anything in my life that 's stopping me from hearing you to get out and then God just like tweaked it a little because I gave him room and I gave him time, and all of a sudden. He showed me in His Word that um, He's actually created me to hear Him. And, and if I go to the right or the left, I'm going to hear Him in my ear saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so, all of a sudden, my prayers, rather than begging, you know, like, like a kid whose parents don't want to give him anything, I'm instead coming into agreement with the truth that God created me to hear His voice. And so, God, I thank you that I hear your voice. I thank you that I recognize and know your voice and I don't follow a stranger's voice. God, I thank you that you created me as a human being to know and recognize and hear you in each situation. And so, I'm coming to you in that mindset today that I believe that you created me well and designed me from the beginning to hear your voice and so that's just one example of you know letting the holy spirit and letting his presence come in and and affect this little thing well kind of big thing of hearing god's voice but so many times we continue in a process of thoughts overruling that say oh i just don't think i can hear god's voice well i just don't think But it's not for, it's not for the big giant missionary, preacher, evangelist, whatever. It's for us. It's the children's bread, you know? It's for us. So, um, one really cool, so this may be my favorite Old Testament scripture only because God's used it to speak so many things, but, um, I'm actually going to tell you the story today. I am not reading you from the Word of God, but I'm going to tell you the story, but it is in Exodus 14. And the whole story, I mean, it's the uh, Israelites leaving Egypt. Okay? And so the entire story is so worth reading again or reading for, for whatever, wherever you are with it. But, um, so the Israelites had been in captivity in Egypt for over 400 years. And they were, um, coming to the end of that, and God raised up a deliverer, Moses. And, um, so, In Exodus 14, it picks up where they are leaving Egypt. And if you remember, they had, God sent plagues and Egypt was in a bad way because they had, because it was time to let them go. And, um, finally Egypt said, get out. We don't want you here anymore. As a matter of fact, here, take our treasures, take whatever, just leave. And so, um, so the Israelites are leaving and they're going into the desert. And the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart and he caused him to ready his best chariots and all of his chariots and all of his army and go after the Israelites. And so the Israelites in the meantime are walking across the desert and get to the sea. And it is a dead end and they have nowhere to go. And they are a they're numerous but but no match for the for the Egyptian army. And so when they get to the sea, they Moses is standing there all the Israelites are looking at him and like they are mad they're they're asking why did you bring us to the desert were there not enough graves in Egypt I mean they're like kind of mocking and angry like why did you talk us into this why did you come and be this evangelist that got us to you know go out here to the desert and now we're going to die in the desert thank you so much you know and they're just kind of being sarcastic even and so the Egyptian army is pursuing them. The people all around are speaking into his life of doubt and doom and this is the end of us. And what I love in this story is that Moses once again turned his ear and his face towards the Lord. And he asked him what he should do. And what I love about this is because if you read Moses' story back far enough, you know that God brought him away and trained him to hear his voice. This is the same Moses that saw the burning bush, and God spoke to him out of the bush that was burning, and he began to teach him um, to know him. Exactly the same thing he wants to do for us. And what I love about the story of the Israelites and the Egyptians and the sea is that Moses is a really good example of us when we turn our ear toward God and we find out how he wants us to proceed. Because the only thing that God required of him was to stretch out his staff. That was it. It says, so, so he literally gave him something in his capability to do. And so I want to make sure you're connecting this with that ask list, the desperate the desperate things that cause us to be up at night or cause us to cry over a loved one or almost not pay our bills or, you know, whatever, wherever you are in your moment, there are so many Bible stories, and this is just the one I picked, where God showed himself so strong on behalf of the ones who love him. Because it's one of his promises. And so Moses, Stretch out his staff that was it totally in his capabilities and so they had been traveling with a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day and they continued that after the miracle but the bible says that the angel of the lord went to the back of the israelite army and they actually made it like what would be a wall between the egyptians and the israelites so the pillar of Fire and the cloud ended up being in between the two armies and they never got in contact with each other or saw each other because of that. In the meantime, all night long, an east wind blew and blew the whole sea apart until there was dry land and a path to walk all the way across the sea. And And then Moses heard the voice of the Lord again and he went across and he led the Israelites over. And what is also so cool is that, I mean, God could have done that without him stretching his staff, but he still co-labored with Moses. He still brought him into the God story, which is so amazing. It's so amazing how it plays out in our lives, because we all have those stories waiting for us to engage. And so, once they get to the other side, again, God just says, now stretch out your staff again. And I don't think that God said that until the last Egyptian Was in the sea, is in the bottom of the sea on dry land. And the entire Egyptian army was destroyed that day because Moses tuned his ear toward God. And I just love how God gave us that. I mean, there are so many stories. I mean, we only have like little bitty snippets of history, but he chose that one to make sure that we understand his character. To make sure that we understand how God likes to co-labor with us. To understand that he doesn't give us anything more difficult than we can handle in that moment. I mean, sometimes it's challenging. Like routing electricity in a church that no one's going to notice. <laughs> but, but it's all in our capabilities. And so, as we're walking this out... Oh, I think I kind of missed that one. Maybe. Um as we experience God's love and power, we overflow His love and power to those around us. And that's the way He wants it to be. He does not want us trying to go. I mean, if Paul had just been trying to give his best effort, I mean, Paul was struck blind on the road and encountered Jesus. He stayed blind until he followed the direction of the Lord to the next place. He was discipled. He encountered the presence of God. And he did, I mean, I don't know, how many percentage of the New Testament is Paul's writings? Do we even? It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, about two thirds of the New Testament is Paul. And there's no way that that would have been Paul's history if he had just given it a really, really good effort with everything he had had. But he encountered God. And I think that we should contend for that in every moment. Not just a one-time thing, but a, God, today, today I invite you into my moment. Today I want to be able to parent with your wisdom. I mean, I'll read the books and I'll I'll study and show myself approved, but but I believe you. I believe that you empower. I believe that you're the same God that split the Red Sea and all Moses had to do is stretch out his staff. And as a parent, the amount of mistakes that I made, and the, you know, I'm not even the same person I, today as I was then, so I don't even know. But, but God. You know how many times, but God? I think it's like 76 times or something like that. Or, no, it's in the 40s. It's in the 40s. But that's a lot of times where the Bible says, but God, where it's actually referring to a time where circumstances were this way, and then God came in and interrupted the scene and changed everything. And miracles happened. And people had testimonies of the greatness and the glory of God. That's what he wants to do. Don't let yesterday's story be sad. Don't, don't let that. Like, yeah, still use it as your testimony. Still use it as a monument. You know, the Israelites built a monument to always remember. They had a few monuments going on throughout their travels. But that was one of their monuments and they never forgot it. So yes, let's never forget it. But let's not only rely on that. Let's continue to give God opportunity today in our lives. Um, So what does this um, overflow in the kingdom of God look like? And this is where I was going to start wrapping up. Sometimes the overflow may look just like Soterra praying for Sheila. And sometimes mm-hmm. it looks like helping someone with a flat tire. Because like, there was a pothole in the road. Like Phil talked about last week. Sometimes it looks like there's a financial need. And we pray and bring God into our moment. And we give by faith. And Sometimes it's a smile at the grocery store. And we will never, ever know what effect it had, you know. I've thought about this with, um, with depression and suicide and our society being on such a rise. It's a, you know what I mean? There's a lot of, of it going on. It's higher than it's ever been. And I've thought about how many times we could affect someone so simply, yet we'll never know. And and so I just want to um, encourage us all, including myself, that my job is to know Jesus. And his job is to do the hard stuff. And I don't necessarily get to see it. I don't necessarily get to see the fruit of whatever it is he asks me to do. It's my job to know him and cooperate with him, just like Moses. And so as I'm going through my day, I may or may not see the effect. Wouldn't it be cool if we got to see how many people were going to go down a different road? But then God did something through me smiling at the grocery store checkout and saying, How are you today? Well, I pray that you feel so much better tomorrow. You know God loves you. You know that you are amazing. Or whatever. It, it, it just can happen and it doesn't have to look like that my gosh I'm Jennifer I'm not you but but it's so simple sometimes and what we don't know until we connect with him and allow him to move through our lives um, I guarantee you if you're a part of this church and you're allowing God to affect you and to and you're inviting him in to prepare us for Wellsville then you'll probably have a passion for the people of Wellsville there's just You know, Bill talked about how we are incarnate. You know, Jesus was incarnate in that moment, in that time, and God became flesh. Well, we're not Jesus, but we are followers of Jesus. And we were created in the image of God. And we were incarnate for this moment in time and in this place. And so there are things that God is doing and desires to do, just like the supervisor with the area of the company. It's like, no, there are... are we're going to find areas in Wellsville that are in need of the life of Christ. They're in need of resuscitation. They're in need of encouragement. They're in need of relationship and community that's life-giving. And I can't be life-giving if I am completely drained and I haven't refilled. I can try. I can go out and give it my best shot, but man, it's so much different. It's like night and day difference if I just go and be with him. And so that's where I thought it would be really good for us to kind of talk to God about and and just ask him, what does that look like? What does it look like for me? What does it look like for me to fully walk in my significance on this earth? what does it look like for me to completely allow God to dictate who I am and what I walk in and the victories that I see? I mean, this is all very, that's why I broke it down to us personally because I don't think there is a kingdom culture of power or a culture of kingdom power (laughs) without it first beginning inside of me because it's not this is an area of the gospel of Jesus Christ that cannot be uh, faked and it cannot be it's overflow it's overflow from something that God's doing inside of us and it's so real and religion would try to dumb it down and say "Uh, because I can study and I can figure out how to preach the word of God and I can even study business and figure out how to run the finances and and do all that but for me to live the life that Christ exampled in bringing light and life and setting captives free well it will require a little bit more of me he still does all the hard stuff but there's a role I play in that and it begins in my heart in letting him have opportunity to create incredible things so, as we close today, I just want you guys, and we're going to do um, communion, and as we just take the Lord's Supper, just allow Him to just kind of show you. And I even think that right now God can give you questions, you know, and, and you're already, you already have things that you could be thinking about that are um, areas where God wants to breathe on. Revelation in an area that has been hopeless that he wants to bring hope into. And so, as we um, take of the Lord's Supper, just give him some moments.